You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Hey, Mitch! On tonight's episode of Hey Mitch, I have a special guest, Brett Giuliano, creator of the Dusty Bunny Mafia comic web series, and he is here to talk about his Kickstarter, which is a set of playing cards that also go along with the Dusty Bunny comic comic strip web series. Hello, Brett. Hey, Mitch. Thanks for having me on. Hey, uh, I'm super happy to have you on. I am stoked about these playing cards looking at your kickstarter that is amazing that you filled all 52 cards with individual characters and you know most of the time when you see playing cards that are like that it's it's a bunch of uh the same pictures over and over and you decided to go opposite of that yeah i mean i've been uh doing my comic for about eight years now i have over 700 strips in my archive and I've done a, you know, a handful of books and different things. And I realized as I was uh, gathering the materials and I was kind of laying out, I created a spreadsheet of, you know, the 52 card deck. And I'm like, all right, now I know for this suit, I want the main dust bunnies. And then for this suit, and I kind of went strategically through and kind of got all the high level characters that show up a lot in the strips. And then I'm like, know at this rate i could probably do every card in the main deck being different and i actually and as i started to plot it out and went through one by one old strips and looked up characters and everything i actually had about 10 or 15 that have shown up here and there like real sporadically and i'm like these actually i have to cut because i don't have room for them in the strip (laughs) i mean in the playing cards so I mean that is that's quite the amount of characters. Uh, how, is, how is it that you keep them all straight? Good question. Um, oh, there we go. When I pitch uh, uh, comic at conventions, um, I would always talk about it. It's like Looney Tunes meets The Godfather, but I would also have um, this whole sets of families of different characters. So like you've got dust bunnies, you've got rats, you've got crows, you've got a whole sea creature world um and then you've got you know the cops and so i mean the easiest way for me is just groupings so like you know naturally i've got um i try and you know for the most part all the dust bunnies look different from each other they're different heights they're different uh some are skinny some are fatter they've got different hats and different colors um the crows and the birds can kind of look similar depending on um Know which ones i've got a couple that are supposed to be like actual family member units mm-hmm. so those guys all look the same but then the rest of the uh, crime family of birds are different kinds of birds so 
that helps me set them straight. Um, and then, I mean, some of it is the nice thing about doing a newspaper style gag a day strip is I don't, uh, their personalities can change. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, Garfield from the 19, you know, seventies doesn't, I mean, essentially Garfield is the same from the seventies as he is today, but his look is different. The types of gags he does. I mean, for the most part, it's the same thing. He's hungry. He hates the dog. He, you know, <laughs> wants to get, he wants to get rid of John, but yet at the same time, he's dependent on it. And so even though there's a lot of things that are always similar, there's things that can change. And so I kind of try and find little ways that I can change the characters, but then not be like completely changing their personality. So. So let's go back to 2012 and, and what is it that made you want to create this comic strip? What, what was it about dust bunnies and the mafia? Like what, what, what exactly, uh, where did this wellspring of idea came, come from? So the funny thing was it was all about sitting in traffic. That actually is what inspired me to create it. I mean, I grew up drawing. I always had, um, you know, I, when I was really young, I wanted to be an animator for Disney and kind of wanted to go that route, but never actually did the training or did the, you know, got the skills necessary to go into a real profession. Um, and then like, I actually grew up doing graphic design in high school. And then in college, I, you know, knew my way around a computer and I was, uh, sitting in traffic in LA waiting for, um, on my ride home from work on a Friday night. And I was like, I've got two hours on my commute. There's no way around it. I'm just going to, you know, sit in traffic and see what comes to me. And on the back of a license plate, I saw a DBM and I'm like, you know, this is uh, actually 2010 at the time, you know, not a lot of people had smartphones. I didn't have one. So I was like, you know, playing the acronym game, looking at, you know, billboards and everything. Mm-hmm. I say DBM. And I'm like, ah, that's funny mafia. <laughs> and then I was like, that's perfect. And so I scribbled, I found a little piece of paper, scribbled it down. And by the time I had gotten home from my two hour commute, I had the first six uh, dust bunnies already laid out on who they were going to be, what they're going to look like and different things. And then uh, took me a couple of years and then, yeah, by 2012, I had the main story arc kind of fleshed out, started producing strips, wanted to get, you know, a little buffer going. And I was like, how cool would it be to have, you know, a Goodfellas type uh, comic, but with miniature. So you have dust bunnies, you have rats, you have crows, you have uh, a pigeon and a squirrel that are the cops trying to, you know, trying to solve crimes and but they're not exactly, you know, on the straight and narrow all the time. And kind of spun from there. I mean, it's it seems like the the inspiration just struck you, but how long between that moment in traffic, which oh man, a two hour commute, like I, I do not envy you. <laughs> uh between that moment and um having to get it on to the internet like how many iterations of it like what was the what was the journey like so that was um so at the time i was you know um 
working. I was just out of college. I had working my first like real time day job. And, um, I had, it actually was going to be my new, uh, branding company. I was going to do freelance graphic design outside of my work stuff. And it was going to be dust bunny mafia branding. And that's actually the route I took with it. And so I built this elaborate website and with like a animated background and I was doing all these fancy tricks with it. And I was having like, I didn't just want to, you know, do a regular graphic design website. I wanted to show off my artistic skills. And so I was creating cartoons and everything. And then as I was promoting that, I um, started creating the characters and I was fleshing them out. And then that's where it came into these other families and I can make this into a comic strip. And so it took, yeah, about uh, two years until I started publishing it. Um, but I mean, I had known how to use, you know, my way around Illustrator. I'd been drawing for years. And so I, you know, took my uh, time kind of building up the initial characters. I have rough sketches, um, but pretty much I had a pretty good idea in my head formed when I was designing the characters on what I wanted kind of their roles in the family and stuff um that i was like okay i have some rough sketches and that's pretty much it after i finished the rough sketch of the characters initially um it's pretty much consistent with how they show up in the first couple of strips and then as time goes on i start to refine them and such so like um i would reuse certain elements and like always draw the hat the same way and different things but as things um progressed i you know find new areas that i'm like you know, i can improve this so it you know it took some time but i was you know um like the dialogue font for instance mm-hmm. i was using some basic like aerial font because i was doing it online um and i was doing it on the computer so i used something really basic and generic and it wasn't until uh probably three or four years into the strip that I actually found custom comic fonts and started switching everything over. Um, but that was one of the things that I probably should have, you know, done a little bit more research looking back on it now. Well, uh, I mean, it sounds, it sounds, oh, it sounds a lot like, uh, the original, like mortal Kombat. you know, they just took the same, uh, sprite and just changed the color of the outfit and as as it became bigger it organically became more just like you did you did so that's it it sounds like the 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 route to go um on this on on your playing cards uh i see off the kickstarter that you have some guest artists on <laughs> the jokers now uh if i'm reading that right it's nick sulik of if, if that's how you pronounce his name uh of the awkward yeti like i think anybody that has a social media platform knows they've seen those cartoons and uh also sean luke so how did how'd you go about getting guest artists on on your cards yeah um so i had actually um known nick for a while you know via the internet and um, in 2013, 2014, something like that, you know, I'd been doing Dust Bunny Mafia for a little while. Um, he actually put out a call on Twitter um, asking for guest strips um, because he was working on fulfilling a Kickstarter and didn't have, he didn't have time because 
it was one of his first Kickstarters and it kind of blew up. And I don't think he was expecting the volume that it reached. And so he put out this call for guest strips and I was like, Hey, I'd be interested in doing one. He didn't know me, didn't know anything. I'm sure at this point, he's like, yeah, I mean, if you have something, you know, send it over, I'll take a look at it. And if I like it, I'll, you know, throw it online. Um, and so I, um, within a, like probably 24, 48 hours, I had sent him a concept and, um, it wasn't just a rough draft. I had it done, but I was like, all right, let me send this over to you and see what you think. And if you you know, want me to adjust anything, let me know. And within about five minutes of me sending the email, it had been blasted on Facebook and Twitter and everything. And I was tagged and I was, um, you know, completely, you know, taken aback. Cause I'm like this completely indie creator that has, you know, maybe a couple hundred scripts under my belt at that point. Um, and he was just like, here. And he tagged me and everything. And then that's hand, kind of how we started to know each other. And then, you know, he put out a couple more guest strip calls. I did a couple more, you know, fan art things for him throughout the years. And then when I moved to Chicago a couple of years ago, uh, he was doing a book tour and happened to be at one of the local Barnes and Nobles. And so I came and uh, introduced myself in person and yeah, we just hit it off from there a little bit more. And then when this came around, we'd been talking and I was like, Hey, if I can, you know, um, being as he was such a busy guy with all of his Kickstarters and the different comics and illustration projects he does. Um, we were talking back and forth. I gave him, you know, a decent heads up and he's like, yeah, I'd love to contribute something. And he took one of my cards, one of my uh, characters, Leo main boss and did it in his style, which is perfect. And it's easily recognizable that it's him, but yet also is easily distinguished. That's my character. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, and that was one I wasn't expecting to get a um, an answer back because you know time is difficult when you've got so many things going. Right. Um, yeah, I was thrilled to get that and to actually be able to reveal that uh, once we hit fifty percent on the funding goal. So um, and then yeah, the other Joker card is a guy named Sean Luke, and he's a indie creator. Um, out in the Chicago area. And I met him through um, doing a couple of anthologies together um, for the hero initiative charity um, in which uh, one of the, um, some of the local uh, comic uh, comic con organizers um, in Chicago, I uh, joined up with and have been doing some um, anthology work with over the past couple of years. And he happened to be on, uh, we were uh, exhibiting at the same show in 2019. And as Doc, uh, the guy was making introductions to people that were, hey, you need to meet so-and-so and different things. And I met Sean Luke and we ended up uh, doing a little library con uh, at the end of 2019 before, you know, COVID shut everything down a couple months later. Um, and you know, we were talking and I was like, Hey, I need another guest artist for one of the Joker cards. And I was like, doc, do you know anyone? And he's like, you know, here's a couple people that would be good. You know, you know them from the anthologies and Sean Luke had a really 
realistic style and i thought that'd be fun to get someone with a realism Mm -hmm. aspect to it and so we should mention that uh, when this comes out, there will be roughly uh, two weeks left in your camp, your uh, Kickstarter campaign. So anybody wanting to check that out should go check it out now and, and back it uh, and help him get to his $3,000 goal. Um, talking about conventions, obviously this past year has been, you know, unfortunate that we haven't had any conventions but what has your experience at conventions been like uh you know promoting your dust bunny mafia it's been good overall um it's hard when you're pitching um an indie comic uh specifically um i'd say it's a little harder than you know having worked for um you know i haven't worked for any of the big you know big comic giants or anything. Um, so, um, but I think, yeah, it's a lot tougher time. Um, since I do with my dust bunny mafia, um, I don't do any fan art. I don't do any, uh, pinups of, you know, the main, you know, you know, the main characters or anything. So it's all original art that I'm trying to push. And, um, but one aspect that actually has played to my benefit is when I do um, my table setup, I have a cohesive theme. So like when I do um, the Dust Bunny Mafia, I have a red checkered tablecloth, red and white tablecloth like you'd see in the Italian restaurants. I have, you know, uh, old briefcase that I used to prop my books on. I have weathered um some crates that have dark stains, so like the dark wood mm-hmm. that you would think of like the Godfather having in his office. Like everything's this cohesive theme. And so when people walk over, that's probably the number one comment I'll get is I had to stop by because you had such a look to your table. And which is, you know, some people, you go to a Comic-Con and people have all different levels of effort on their table some things match some things don't some things are they picked them up at michael's or just wherever they found them and um but so when people come over it usually takes them a minute to you know get the look and understand but as soon as i can pitch you know looney tunes meets the godfather or i'll hand them a business card and it says uh mobster card and it's actually a mastercard logo that's flipped (laughs) and it has a blood splatter where the red part of the circle is instead of, so I have the red and gold, except it's blood splatter and it's a mobster card and people <laughs> are like, Oh, you dropped this. Oh, wait a minute. I see what this is. <laughs> so That's once it. people, if they click and they get that kind of humor, then we're good. <laughs> That's, that's pretty great. That's pretty creative. Uh, of the conventions you've been to, which ones have you enjoyed the most? I mean, obviously, you probably enjoy all of them. Uh, you get to do a little bit of looking around and networking and, and talking to people. But, like, is there one that stands out above others? Yeah. Um, let's see. I mean, here in Chicago, C2E2 is, like, you know, the biggest one in Chicago. Um, Always still focused on comics. Yeah. Um, and it's a great experience. Um, I have gone every year that I've been out here and luckily I was able to sneak it in last year before it COVID shut everything down. Um, but 
and I've tried to get into Artist Alley for the past three years. Hopefully, you know, one of these next years, once they actually open it back up, I can get into Artist Alley. Um, so, I mean, that's a convention in itself. Um, but actually, one of my favorite ones is um, out in Minnesota. Um, it's the, um, they call it Fall Con and Spring Con. Mm. Um, and it's out in the Twin Cities area, and it's held at the Minnesota State Fairgrounds. Um, and it's probably, you know, you got 150 or so vendors and artists, and they pack in uh, to the Fairplex, you know, the the grandstand building for the racetrack that's at the fairgrounds. And it's a two-day show in the spring, and I've gone out there two years in a row, and it, like, from the uh, artists you meet to the actual people organizing the event and the volunteers, it's top notch. Like they do so much for the creators and artists that are vending. Um, you know, people will come by and ask if you need a break and, you know, um, they have really good deals on tables and everything like that. And they're just such a welcoming show that, that's one that as long as I'm in the Chicago area, I'm going to try and get back to whenever they open. Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've met so many great people, both artists and fans and, uh, volunteers there. That's awesome. Yeah. I know. I mean, I, conventions can definitely be uh, a great time when, when you're going to, uh, make new friends like that. So that's, that's, that's incredible. Looking at your your strips, the comic strips. Um, I noticed that one of the characters, uh, especially since it's a, a mobster, uh, genre, one of them is dressed in all yellow. Is that a throwback homage to your Dick Tracy's? It is. So that is Mickey potatoes. He's a pigeon, uh, the lead detective. And yeah, it's definitely a throwback to Dick Tracy. Um, and, I mean, it was just a, you know, I have to incorporate this <laughs> as, and, you know, I'm sure I could have just done it with a nod to a yellow fedora, but I was like, if I'm going to go for it, I'm just going to, you know, go, go all out. <laughs> uh, but speaking of, if that's not your favorite, like who is, do you have a favorite character? Is it, is it fair to pick a favorite character that you've created? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. Um, I mean, originally, you know, I created, um, you know, a lot of the original Dust Bunnies were um, different friends and family that I had little attributes that I could go off of. So in order to not play favorites on any of them, um, I kind of saw myself as the little black Dust Bunny, uh, Jimmy. Um, he's the short one with the big pink ears. Um and he's kind of like the consigliere, the right-hand advisor. Um, he's always been my favorite to draw because he's really street smart, but he's really quiet mm -hmm. as well. Other than that, I mean, I really enjoy drawing the crows um, because I kind of uh, pit them together, especially the, the two crows uh, look identical except for their fedoras. And I kind of did that on purpose. Um but I had a couple of good friends out in LA um, that 
would bicker like brothers, even though they had just known each other for like 30 years at this point, but they had all these, you know, life experiences and they would finish each other's sentences, but then bicker at the same time about, Oh no, you got this wrong. It was like this back in the day and different things. And so I modeled the crows after them and it's to this day, uh, you know, still a fun part to write. Cause, um, you know, I never had that growing up. I didn't have a big family. Mm -hmm. Um, I had, you know, bigger extended family and, but it would be fun. I thought it'd be fun to have a lot of people, um, that are closer in age and like either twins or that just off the cuff, um, of an age band that you know each other so long and that that would be fun to write. Did did you uh, do a lot of research into the whole mafia family and and, and stuff like in, in that uh, organization, uh, so to speak, or did is that something that you already knew about that you incorporated into the comic strip? At that time, um, I had just been, um, I had kind of known some of it, um, but I hadn't really done my deep dive. I had liked, you know. Uh, watching kind of the um fictional aspects so i was you know i really liked boardwalk empire and i liked you know the godfather and the departed and casino and all those um but i had known that there were some uh you know i knew that there was a mafia out there back in the day and i had known you know different aspects to it but it wasn't until i actually um started kind of thinking of the comic that I did some real research into it and um, I should have uh, um, recorded this in the other location. So you could see behind me um, <laughs> in the other room, I have a whole shelf of books, you know, just dedicated to organized crime oh, and wow. I've, um, and so starting in probably, yeah, probably 2010, 2011, I really started digging into the organized crime and the historical aspects. Um, and, you know, over the past year, I probably read one to two books a month with COVID uh, on organized crime. And I've probably got, I've got at least a full bookshelf, at least one whole row that's probably got close to 30 books in it that I've all, you know, gone through. And I've got another, you know, five or six uh, on deck for, when I finish. So then you just, you just got stories ready for, uh, years into the future. Yep. That's the plan. <laughs> uh, either having going on this journey with the, the comic strip, the online comic strip, or with creating your own playing cards, what's been the biggest hurdle for you? That something that you, something that you didn't expect. One of the biggest hurdles was actually moving into, uh, the crowdfunding aspect. So going on to Kickstarter, um, when I first, uh, I first launched a Kickstarter, um, in 2019, uh, yeah, August of 2019. And so weird to think it's 2021 already, um, <laughs> based off of last year and everything. Right. Um, so I had, I created a little, uh, mini booklet called based on a true story. And it was a little zine, uh, half page, uh, 
booklet zine type thing. And that was my first uh, advent into crowdfunding. I had been listening to uh, this podcast called Comics Launch um, that helps teach artists and writers how to get on Kickstarter and uh, Indiegogo and such like that and how to crowdfund your comic and actually make a profit off of it you know, before you go to shows and try and sell the rest of it kind of thing. And I had been sitting on the sidelines per se for a couple of years. And I'm like, you know, I go to these conventions and shows and I'm selling, you know, my first collection that was print on demand. And so I'm not making a whole lot of money on each book that I sell, even though it's a decent price tag on it. And I'm like, there's got to be a better way to do this. So I started looking at, you know, crowdfunding and, you know, I did my first, uh, based on a true story, set a small goal, did a three-week campaign. It was a $800 goal, and I got 1100 by the end of it. I'm like, okay, I can do this. And at that point, I was like, all right, my next one, people have been asking me for a second collection, second full-length comic collection. And so I did the research, and I was like, all right, I'm going to set a $5,000 goal after my original one was 800, but this one, this will cover every single expense for the book for shipping. And it failed. I reached like 30% funded. And then with like three weeks left in, or like three out of four weeks were done. And so I had a week left to raise, you know, 70% of the goal and it didn't work out. And so that was probably one of my biggest hurdles um, that I wasn't expecting, but I was able to turn it back around. And within uh, three weeks of the original campaign ending, I was able to relaunch uh, with a half the goal with a $2,500 goal and was able to make that one nice. work. Nice. So what goes into creating your own playing cards exactly? Like how is there a website that you just go to? Do you have to, do you have to sit there and pick out the card stock? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a website I went to, um, one of my other, uh, indie comic creator friends, um, Mark Monlux, he did a, um, he did a set of playing cards on Kickstarter a couple of years ago. And I, uh, reached out to him being the foremost expert of indie artists that I knew that had done one. And he uh, referred me to the website and it's actually a uh, make playing cards.com, you know, go figure something <laughs> as easy as that. Um, and yeah, I mean, they've got, you know, hundreds of different styles of decks to choose from. And I look, I wanted them to be, you know, the standard like poker sized cards. So I found a, you know, poker found the right size then as you start to get into this designer, they give you, you know, do you want to customize the front? And, you know, they pre-fill some parts of the cards for you. Do you want to customize the back only and have kind of a standard, you know, bicycle playing card style front to it? And they give you some different options. Or do you want to design the whole thing? And I'm like, well, I want to design the whole thing. And so I went for it and, you know, started I just laid out my cards, um, created a similar back for all of them, and then kind of upload, uploaded it to their system. And the, I just started out with the basics. I was like, let me get me the standard uh, 
paper type for the card. Give me the standard feel, uh, finishing style for the card. And I don't want a box with it. Mm-hmm. And let's see how this works. And then I got my first, you know, set of proofs and I was like, okay, these look pretty good. Um, but there's some things I could change. Some of the characters fade into the background too much. Some of them I need to lighten up a bit. And so I actually went through three rounds of it. And by the third round, I got myself one of the actual tuck boxes nice. for it. Um, and because I'm like, if I'm going to kickstart this, I'm going to want it with the actual tuck box. And so I need to see what it actually looks like. So I you know, spent a little bit more on that proof to make sure I could actually get the tuck box because I'd rather have it done and complete and say, you know, I only need one card designed at the end of this and then I can just send it to print rather than going through the proofs area before the Kickstarter's, you know, started. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, but yeah, and I mean, I actually have um, with a couple of the stretch goals with the campaign, um, I'm going to be increasing some of the different card qualities. So I have kind of a standard uh, paper type for the cards right now. Um, but if we reach um, the first stretch goal, will actually be to upgrade the quality to casino quality cards. Oh, and then upgrading the finish uh, will be the next one. And then the last main stretch goal that I have set right now is uh, sealing the tuck box so that you can actually have it glued and it's a bit more professional. Okay. And and are you a avid card player? Or are you uh do you do you fancy yourself the poker player or enough? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do enjoy uh card games, board games. Um I played poker in high school with my friends on Friday nights. Uh so enough of it that I do enjoy that, but you won't catch me at Vegas uh throwing my <laughs> money away. I would rather have a calculator risk that I know I can, the odds are in my favor. And, and do you, I do don't you, think that's the case with. No, <laughs> did, did, if you're not playing poker out in Vegas, are you, did you, have you gone to the, the mob museum out there? I actually have not. Um, I learned about the mob museum after I moved to Chicago. Uh-huh. Um, and so, um, despite living in LA, that was just something that didn't pop up on my radar when I was living out there. Um, but since, um, yeah, I've known about it for a couple of years now and I'm like, I need to find a way to get back to Vegas and not just in the airport. I need to actually (laughs) find a way to get through, (laughs) even if it's for a day, you know, do a, get an early flight in, hit the town so I can go to the museum for a couple hours, then get a late flight out. It is it is something that I've done before and it is a lot of fun. So yeah, I hope you do uh at some point in the future, once it's safe, uh be able to do to do that. Uh okay, so we have gone through an unprecedented year and I don't know exactly what kind of free time you you have, but like in your free time when you're not creating, uh what is it that you love to to, to geek out on? What do you binge on? What do you uh watch? What do you play? So if we're going outside of the mobster realm, uh, one thing that I geek out on that's going to be different, going to be a little off the cuff, um, 
you'll see it behind me, but I've got a pretty uh, old hat rack. Uh, and I have, um, I enjoy fedoras. Mm-hmm. So uh, being the, you know, mafia enthusiast, I first learned about fedoras way back when I was doing some computer programming um, because I learned about Linux and being a computer guy, Linux, they had a branch that was called Fedora. And that's when I first heard about Fedoras. And I was like, these look really cool. And then I, as I started to research them, I was like, oh, you know, these are what Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and, you know, all those guys were wearing. And, you know, as I grew up, I was like, all right, I'm going to own a Fedora one day. And then as I got into college, I was like, okay, I can actually buy some of these on my own. I don't have to, you know, mooch off mom and dad. And so I started um, in college collecting fedoras. And uh, there's a uh, company um, called Gorin Brothers, and they're a national, a US-based hat-making company. Um, And they're kind of one of the premier fedora makers um in the u.s um and with still being reasonable priced but they've got a couple of shops out in la they've got shops in chicago new orleans you know all the big cities um they've got one in denver um and i just started to dig into the hat game per se and so i've got probably three different sets of hats um of fedoras i've got uh, somewhere between 15 and 20 last time I counted. <laughs> um, everything from uh, straw fedoras for the summer to uh, wool fedoras for winter and when it actually gets cold out here in Chicago. Um, unlike when I was living in LA, those were kind of just, I can wear this when it, the one day it rains. <laughs> um, but that's one of the, you know, non-traditional things that I, geek out over yeah that's um, definitely a, a unique collection that i i hadn't uh, heard of before i mean it makes a lot of sense and i i'm all for it but so are are you into it as much as to the point that when you're watching something you can totally be like oh that's a model four five seven or something like that or or even you know pick out that oh that's not the right time period for that hat when you see it it's it's wrong or something like that I'm not that big of a snob when okay. it comes to it. Okay. Um, but generally I can tell when it's, if it's made by Gorin, uh, the company that I like the best, um, because they actually do a lot of, um, hat making for props mm-hmm. and for Hollywood and stuff. And so like in, um, the first season of house of cards, Kevin Spacey, uh, was wearing when he would wear a hat, he was wearing a Goran fedora. Nice. And so I can generally pick out, um, they have a certain a castle logo that's their insignia. And if I can spot the castle logo, I know, you know, it's a Goran. And um, generally, movie studios don't tend to take those off, they tend to leave uh, the logos on. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but I mean, the logo on the hat is, you know, like a half an inch circle. So it's pretty small to see. Um, but yeah, I haven't gone really the route of, you know, being so obsessed. Um, <laughs> I can catch the general style of, you know, 
like uh there's one behind me that's uh in the whiskey color and that one um is a big it's a big wide brim fedora and it's a pretty popular one um and so it's kind of like a take on the indiana jones fedora um but other than that i'm not really um I mean, not that detail oriented yet i mean that's what i was gonna say i mean the I, the most famous one i could think of is the indiana jones fedora uh i mean what else would you get out there to be maybe on that level or close i mean there's the, the, i, I want to say the hat that uh sam neil wears in justice or jurassic park that'd be a, a fedora right yeah that would be um yeah i mean other than that it would be like um i mean more dick recently tracy. um yeah dick tracy um you know kind of the period pieces so um let's see uh motherless broken was a recent film oh that, that had edward movie. norton yeah so they had a bunch of fedoras because it was like 1940s New York. Um, Gangster Squad a couple of years ago. That was, you know, 30s and 40s LA. They were wearing fedoras. Um, Definitely sensing a theme. None of those. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, yeah. The ones that I notice are, you know, <laughs> probably between the 20s and 40s uh, Boardwalk Empire. Um but, so so was it was it merely just the look of, of uh, the fedora that just caught your eye and made you was like yeah this is the, this is the thing that I I really enjoy the aesthetic of it Originally yes uh that was probably what did it um and then as I uh grew up I always found it fascinating in TV shows and movies um looking at the villain character um so like um Nowadays, um, my wife and I, when we'll watch TV shows, we'll watch a lot of the procedural, you know, cop TV shows. And she's always fascinated with how are they going to catch them? And I'm always fascinated at looking at the villain or the, you know, antagonist of are they going to be one step ahead? How long can they keep up that aspect? And that was always something that fascinated me was the criminal mind and, um, yeah, I mean, another uh, indie movie that came out when I was in college that really fascinated me was Lucky Number Eleven. Oh, good movie. Um, yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I saw that when I was at home on summer break one time. I knew nothing about it except kind of the byline that was in the newspaper. And I'm like, this looks interesting let's go see it and i went with a couple buddies and not knowing what to expect it became like my lifeblood of movies and i'm like at this point this is one of the movies one of the best movies i've ever seen and i don't know how much i can quote from it now (laughs) but it became this kind of aesthetic that i'm like this is a fantastic movie and i've actually hidden references in some of my comics to that movie. So there are different (laughs) nods throughout the movie. I mean, throughout my comics that are, you know, some of the dialogue I'll snip from the movie and throw it in a comic when I need some extra, you know, some extra fill. And yeah. What are some of the other, other movies that you've uh, paid homage to in, in your comic strip? 
let's see. Um, not as much of a movie, but um, the the Animaniacs cartoon. Um, I've played an homage there because I had um, the Good Feathers, the pigeons that were the Good Fellas uh-huh. representation parody. Uh-huh. Um, I had them. Um, I had Pesto, the little angry bird, show up one time when they were trying to kidnap. <laughs> the mobsters were trying to kidnap my pigeon detective, and they pull off the bag, and it's Pesto from Good Feathers. And they're like, you've got the wrong bird. Um, <laughs> that's that's great. I love that. Are, are you watching the new season of the Animaniacs? They, they don't have the Good Feathers in there. But... I have not. I have not yet. Um I have the subscription and everything. I just need to get on and do it. I actually forgot about it. I saw a you know, big splash when it kind of first hit and then after the first, you know, couple episodes other stuff came up. <laughs> I mean that's that is the way of uh binging the this the the uh streaming platform these days, right? Like you get those couple weeks if it's good enough and after that people move on to the next thing. Uh, what what is it that you you are binging as a TV show? Let's see. Most recently, uh, The Mandalorian. I caught up on um, shortly before they premiered the second series. Um, I had been hearing about it from a lot of friends, um, and I actually waited until I knew. I think I waited until October, and I was like, "All right, they're starting in you know the second series releasing in December." So I waited until October, and I binged the first season within a month and then i was like now i have to be like everyone else and wait um, <laughs> and then yeah when the second season came out i watched it you know pretty much every friday on my lunch break i would watch the new episode i mean it's it's the show it's definitely the one that captured just about everybody and uh i i i get it so uh what is it that you would love to see done with your comic strip outside of being on the on on the internet i mean i would love you know someday for it to actually be like made into an animated you know series you know like animaniacs like looney tunes um originally i wanted to actually have it in newspapers but newspapers are pretty much dying so um yeah it's a dead medium Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, growing up loving the animated cartoons, that was always a dream to actually do one of those. And if I could do one, you know, with my comics, with my characters, I feel like that would be, that's the big dream for me. And and for anybody that might be listening to this that would be interested in creating a uh, online comic strip, like what's the piece of advice that you would want to give them? Just start making it. I mean, you can always refine as you go. And um, I've had a lot of people that I've talked to over the years um, that are like, you know, you're so far. How do I even get to where you're at? Like, I had a good friend of mine who had a lot of ideas and had a lot of different things that he wanted to do. Um, But as we were going back and forth and talking, it's like, you're so far with your comic and you've gotten, you know, a book done or you're almost laid out a book. I can't, you know, get to where you're at 
with what I want to do until I'm like, just start with something, you know, start writing it, start, you know, drawing stuff. You can always improve upon it. But if you don't actually get out and start creating, then it's just going to be, you know, dreams until actually put some work into it. Mm -hmm. There you go. Just get out there and start creating it. All right. Last question. A lot of people look forward to this sometimes. If you could have one useless superpower, and it has to be completely useless, I usually use the, I can make my hair grow an extra inch at will. Uh, what would your useless superpower be? I was not prepared for this. Um, <laughs> I think it would be cool to be able to understand animals but I would essentially be mute to them. Like they, I wouldn't have any influence over them like Aquaman, mm -hmm. you know, has with the sea creatures. So it's like, I can understand them, but they don't have a clue that I, they don't care <laughs> that I can know what they're thinking or doing. I love it. That's, that's great. It's a, it's a good power. And, and you know, what is it that the animals are going to say? It's going to be a lot of like, Hey, I'm hungry. Hey, I'm scared. Like it's, <laughs> you're not having full on conversations with them. So, uh, I can see that as a power. <laughs> Brett, uh, I just want to say thank you again for coming on the show, talking about your, uh, Kickstarter, your, your comic strip. Uh, where is it that people can one find you online and two find your Kickstarter? So the best way to find me online is to search dust bunny mafia. I mean, my website, uh, dustbunnymafia.com, is where you'll find, you know, my latest comics. You can join my email list where I'll send you a free copy of Based on a True Story Volume 1 as a digital PDF. Um, I've got links to my social media profiles to search Dust Bunny Mafia. I've been doing this for long enough that it comes up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'm on all those. And, um, yeah, I've got links on all those websites right now for the Kickstarter. Um, I mean, probably half the content I'm posting right now is trying to get people to see, uh, the Kickstarter. Otherwise you can just go to Kickstarter and search for dust bunny mafia. And I'm sure I'm going to be the first result. So <laughs> yeah. And if you want to talk to geekly media, it's at geekly media on Twitter at geekly media on Instagram and facebook.com forward slash geekly media is our Facebook page. But until next time, this is Hey Mitch on the Geek Elite Media Network saying always remember to geek out. Geek out. This concludes our broadcast. <laughs>